of pastors here. and We are doing a mini-series on the Kingdom of God. This is the last one in the series. Um, then we'll be doing uh, the book of Ecclesiastes after that. Spent being that probably till summertime. Uh, so we as a church go through books of the Bible mostly uh, because the, the full diet of the whole Word of God is really what we need to feed our souls. But there are times when we, we take little vacations from that uh, to talk about important topics. And so the kingdom of God is a very important topic. Uh, it's an important theme in all of Scripture, so we've been learning about that. Previously, in the three messages that we already covered, uh, we learned about what and where is the kingdom of God. We learned that the kingdom of God is already here. We also learned that the kingdom of God is not yet fully here. And this final message will be about the final kingdom the final state of the kingdom. Um, and there's lots that I could talk about with this one, and the challenge here was to, to put it all in 40 minutes or so. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on Revelation, but this theme of the kingdom, of course, and the final kingdom as well, is seen throughout Scripture, from the Garden of Eden all the way to the very end of the New Jerusalem. So, uh, but I'm going to take time for the, uh, for the sake of efficiency to just camp in the New Jerusalem will be in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. This, is, this section of Scripture is a compelling preview of the kingdom of God, of the final kingdom of God. Uh, it makes me think of, actually, if you've ever been shopping for a home, um, nowadays we have the benefit of, of the internet and being able to get online and look at pictures to do virtual tours even, right? To even w- walk around the house and see all the details, to look, look at the pictures. I found myself recently not looking at a new home. I, we love our home. But looking at, uh, at property to rent by uh, VRBO in Florida. Uh, right now, they, you can get some amazing deals. $50 a night, a block from the ocean, and there are, the tickets are about $50 each way. So it's tempting, right, to, to look at those places, particularly when we're in the middle of the winter. We're in the middle of the cold and the snow, and if you're like me, you're at a home office, you're at home a lot because of the pandemic, and, and those, uh, those previews are very appealing uh, and, and uh, enjoyable. Well, Revelation 21 and 22 is a preview. Uh, it's a preview of your home, and it's way better than anything you might get in Florida by the ocean. Uh, it's amazing. And so I want to take you on a virtual tour of your future home of this final state of the kingdom that you might live in light of that. Actually, this is supposed to shape our lives uh, because everything we do as believers here is ultimately about that final kingdom. Everything that we do in faith and obedience is rewarded in that final kingdom. Um, We work and live to to witness to Christ both in our deeds and in our words that there might be people in that final kingdom. So that final home has much meaning. And it's uh, this preview really, my desire in this preview is to encourage you and to help you focus on living for that final home. So let's pray, and we'll dig into God's Word. Lord, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for this amazing preview that we see in the book of Revelation. Lord, we know your Word is full of of truth about the kingdom from beginning to end, and our final home is, our real home is to live in your kingdom as originally intended. And I pray today, Lord, as we look at Revelation, would, would you help me to teach and explain it well, and I pray as a result of your Word and your power Holy Spirit, that we would be encouraged and we would be transformed by you to to be those who live for that final place, this final kingdom and all that we do now. 
So bless this time. Be glorified in it, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to start in chapter 21, verse 1. This is John, and he's uh, experiencing revelation from God, and he says in 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. 
By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 22, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The Word of God. An amazing preview of our final home. I want to talk about this passage in light of what we've been learning about the kingdom. We've learned that the kingdom is about a place, the kingdom is about a people, and the kingdom is about power, God's power. So I want to look at this passage in light of that. I want to look at the place and, and learn about the place. I want to look at how it talks about the people, and I want to look how it talks about the power of God. The kingdom of God is a matter of place and people and power. So first, place. John is seeing something here in this chapter previously. The final judgment has taken place. He's seen that in his vision. But now he sees something new. He sees a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth has passed away. The old heaven, the old earth, the, the earth and the heaven, the separation, the, the reality that we know as the earth and heaven has passed away. It is no more. There's a new heaven and a new earth. The old earth that we know, this, this earth that's full of brokenness and sin and evil and sorrow and death and hardship. This earth that is full of rebellion against what is true and good and beautiful and glorious. This earth is gone. It's passed away. The old heaven is gone as well. The old spiritual realities, the spiritual battles, the spiritual conflicts between Satan and, and God's angels, between Satan and his accomplices and God's people, this old heaven, heavenly reality is gone the old heaven of God's holy presence, the, the highest place where God's throne room is, but yet is separate from the earth, that reality is gone as well. And in their place is something radically new. The word for new here is actually not new in time, like not totally new, but it's new in the sense of type. So it isn't that the old earth and the old the old heaven are gone and in every way this is entirely different, but it's been renewed and redone in this new heaven, in this new earth. It's radically upgraded in this version. The new heaven and the new earth. Everything is totally different in the final kingdom. Notice that, as I read along, the sea is no more. For those of us, I imagine most of us, as those who live near the ocean, we love the ocean, but for the Hebrew culture, the sea represented a place of danger and chaos and it was a place that brought enemies. In the book of Revelation, the sea has a negative view. The first beast comes out of the sea. The harlot of Babylon makes her money by trade, by sailors on the sea. 
And so the sea being no more for the Hebrew mind was a good thing because it represented danger and chaos and evil. Now, remember the book of Revelation is a prophetic book. It's apocalyptic, and so it's very symbolic. Uh, Things represent things. Now, it's not always easy to know what is a symbol and what is an actuality, and at times we can't know, and, and so I have no trouble with it being literal, but the intention here is not literal. The intention here is to represent things, to, to teach us through symbols something about the reality of this new creation. So there might be a sea, and there might not be, and if there's no sea, we're not going to miss it. That being the point. But for the Hebrew mind, it represented evil and chaos, so that's gone. And, and John sees this holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This city is the bride, and, and so the metaphors are mixed here. The symbols, symbols are mixed here. Um, this is in contrast to other cities in the book of Revelation, like Babylon and Rome, and even Jerusalem in its rebellious state, re- rejecting the Messiah. These are unholy cities in Revelation, and this new Jerusalem is the holy city. It's the final answer, uh, the final perfect city, and it's like a bride adorned for her husband. So think about a wedding. Think about the bride coming down the aisle, dressed in white, adorned with jewelry, beautiful to the bridegroom. That's what's going on here in this this chapter. The bride, the city, both mixed together, Uh, is being presented. The bride of Christ is stunningly beautiful and gloriously attractive in this state with her righteous deeds and her final glorified state before the groom. That's us. We'll talk about that more later. The church. This is the church in her final glorified state. This is is what awaits you. This is what awaits us. The, The glory of the bride before the glorious Son of God. Shining in glory. I think of what Daniel says in Daniel chapter 12. Uh, connects here. and It says in Daniel chapter 12 verses 1-3. to At that time shall arise Michael the great prince who has charged your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. So very similar to Revelation. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And then it says this. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Then this, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's the city. That's the bride shining. That's the people of God in in their lives, uh, in their righteousness in Christ, shining forever and ever. Notice in the city that uh, describes the building materials, what it's made out of, all the materials that are used are translucent or transparent. Right? There's gold that's like glass. It's transparent gold. Um, the, the jewels and so forth, the things that are build the walls are, are translucent. Um, it's, it's described as crystal clear jasper. Jasper is a rose-colored gem. But here it's a, it's a crystal clear version of that. So see the city as a, a giant city full of, of this rose-colored diamond. Uh, all the walls are made of jasper. The gates are single pearls. The streets uh, are some sort of transparent gold. The foundations are decorated with precious shining gems. All these materials have in common this, this quality of 
reflecting or transmitting light. That's important to get. They're all made to transmit or reflect light. So this is a glorious light-bearing city. But what's the source of the light of the city? Is it the sun and the moon? No. Is it the saints shining like stars? Ultimately, no. It's God Himself in all of His glory. The Father and the Son in the presence of the Spirit shining in their glory. They are brighter than the sun and the moon. And, and God is the creator of the sun and the moon. He's the creator of all light. He is brighter, more glorious than any source, any created thing in, in all of creation. And He is shining here in this final city, illumining the whole city and illumining the whole world because by its light the nations will walk. It's, this is the ultimate sun and glory shining through this city to all of creation. God's glory shines forth. There's no temple in this city. For God Himself is present. There's, there's no need for a temple per se because the temple is, is the place of God's presence. This whole city is a temple. And it's not just the general temple either because if you read through it, you'll notice something about the dimensions of this city. 12,000 stadia by 12,000 stadia by 12,000 stadia high. Now We don't use stadia anymore. Um, so in miles, it's 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. The same dimension, height, width, and length. What do we call that shape? A cube. Any other cubes in Scripture? There's a cube that's 30 feet by 30 feet by 30 feet inside the temple. There's the temple grounds, there's the holy place, and there's the Holy of Holies. It's a cube. And the Holy of Holies was the place where God Himself dwelt. They only went in once a year. They could die if they went in without following God's rules in Scripture. It was the place where the atonement seat was, where blood was put each year to remind themselves of their need for atonement in order to enter God's presence. It was called the footstool of God. It's the presence of God among His people in the Old Testament. But here, it's humongous, 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. It's the Holy of Holies here. And God, the Holy One, the God who dwells in unapproachable light, the, the great seraphim can't even approach Him. And they gladly, fully say, day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This God, this place, this fullness of His glory is in the city, filling it with glory beyond imagination and illumining all of creation. That's what's going on here. Now, I don't know if this city is actually 1,500 miles like, cubed. God can make it that. But it's communicating this truth. By the way, there's a graphic, I think, if, if you have that, Dan, that shows the globe. You know, just to see. That's what, if it were, that's what it would look like, the scale of it. It's Humongous. It would go far into outer space. Space begins at 62 miles. This thing's 1,500 miles. So certainly God can do that. But I think the point here is to symbol, symbolize what this new creation will be like. This new creation will be full of the immediate, tangible presence of God in all things. In the fullness of His glory. There won't be limits. There won't be sin. 
It won't be like, oh Lord, we've got to seek you. Where are you? I feel like you're not present. I just need you like we often feel now. And God, of course, uses that for our good. It won't be like that. We'll know his presence. It'll be right there in its fullness all the time. Shining through us. Shining around us. It, it's going to be beyond imagination in all of its splendor and glory in all of creation. That's what's being said here. That's what this place is like. It is glorious. Do you ever long for a better place? Sooner or later, we all do. We've been made for this place described in Revelation. We've been made for the presence of God. We were created, Adam and Eve created in the garden to experience this and to extend it throughout the globe. They failed and they fell. But we still have in us this, this aspect of who we are as those made in the image of God that longs for a place like this, that longs for the glory of God, that longs to be free from sin and brokenness and the frustration of this world. That's, by the way, what Ecclesiastes is largely about. The frustration we live in. We long for a better place. We, we long for that place in Florida by the ocean, but something even greater. And this world will never be that place as we know it now. As good as it might be at times, this creation, this, side, this age, this old earth, this old heaven, has much good in it, but it will never be the fullness of the kingdom. As wonderful it is to be alive now and to watch the gospel go to millions and even billions in our generation. It's an amazing time as God seems to be fulfilling His promises in so many ways. It will never be heaven on earth. Even if God should choose to so use the, the truth of the gospel and the truth that comes with the gospel to create a thorough, rigorous Christian worldview among every single person on the planet and every single institution of the earth gets transformed by the truth of the gospel and all the, uh, the truth of God's word, it still won't be the fullness of the kingdom of God because we'll still live in fallen human bodies in a fallen world. There'll still be evil in our own hearts and around us. So we would, it's appropriate for all of us to long for something better, to be free, to see God resolve all things, to turn this winter, this long winter, into summer and finalize what He promised to do. Revelation chapter 21 and 22 is a promise that that will be done. And we ought to set our hopes on that. That ultimate glorious destination this is the final kingdom. This is our final home. This is what we live for. This place. Secondly, the people. This kingdom is about the people. And that's symbolized throughout this section. There are 12 gates to this city. And they represent the 12 tribes of Israel. There are 12 foundations of this city. They represent the 12 apostles. The 12 tribes represents the Old Testament people of God. All those who believed, believed in God's revelation and submitted their lives and looked forward to full atonement themselves and full, the fullness of the kingdom themselves. And then the New Testament people, symbolized by the twelve apostles. It's decorated with these twelve precious gems that were the twelve gems that the high priest wore on his breastplate as he carried the people of God on his heart. This city has these gems on the walls because God carries his people on his heart. 
It isn't just ethnic Jewish people that are here in this city, but all the peoples. We see that in a number of ways. First, the dimensions of 12,000 stadia, um, are, it's a number that represents perfection. Twelve represents the people of God. A thousand is many. And it's a cube, 12 by 12 by 12. But it also happens to correspond with the understood dimensions of the Roman Empire. 1,500 miles. That's what, if you look in the literature, they understood the size of the empire. And so God is saying something to John and through John to his people that this is the ultimate empire. And the Roman Empire encompasses not just the Jewish people, but all the known ethnicities at the time. And so this is a promise that this city will be full of the people of God from every tribe and nation. Earlier on in Revelation, we learn about this. In this preview in chapter 5 of the worship in heaven, it says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, speaking to Jesus. For you were slain in your body, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Every tribe, every language, every people, every nation filling this city filling the new kingdom, the, the final kingdom, from all peoples. There will not be a single ethnicity, a single subset of a people group that will not be represented, and I would say represented in force in this final kingdom. It is full of many people. This is the city that those in, who are mentioned in Hebrews 11 long for. It says in Hebrews 11, uh, speaking of those who long for it, it says, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. All those who have been waiting in faith have their answer in this city full of all the people of God, all the faithful. It's interesting to read through Revelation and, and see how the people of God are described. There are two aspects that uh, reverberate throughout people of God that are here in the city are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And it says in Revelation, before the foundation of the earth, that that happens. So there's this side of this where God is in control of all these things. His plan to, to, to rescue, to redeem, to fulfill the promise of Eden in the final New Jerusalem has been known all along, planned all along. There's no surprises to God. And before time began, he had a complete list of all those, this, this countless number, who would be in this new Jerusalem. They are written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the earth. That's wonderful good news. And if you are a believer in Jesus, if you have turned and trusted in Him, put your faith in Him, that ultimately, uh, though a choice that you made, a real choice that you made, is ultimately the choice of God before time. To rescue you. To give you eyes to see. So that you yourself could believe and choose. You know, believe and follow. And so if you are one who experiences faith. Even tiny little faith. The size of a mustard seed is more than sufficient. To say that you belong to him. And that you are in that book. You've been there before you were created. You will be there forever. And so Revelation teaches us it's those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the earth. But Revelation also teaches us it's those who remain faithful to the end who are there. 
And so we saw in the description of this city that, that nobody who is detestable or false are there. Only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those who are, remain faithful. And so there's a tension, and this is throughout all of Scripture, that we are there because we're chosen, but we are there because we choose. We are there because God puts us in that book, and that's our, our surest foundation. But if you are in the book, your life will show it. And there's a means of grace of warning and of these promises to keep us keeping ourselves in Christ. That's important to understand. And, and so the, this city is full of the people of God. How do you get there? Because you've been written in the book before time began. How do you get there? By keeping your eyes on Jesus. Looking to Him for strength. It doesn't mean you pick yourself up by the bootstraps. That's not the sort of keeping yourself that Scripture teaches. Keeping yourself means this. Jesus, help me. I want to stray all the time. Keep me close to you. Brother or sister, help me. Let's pray together so I can remain with you in the Lord. We come together to help each other. That's what it looks like. And Revelation teaches us that. Both things go together. But our, our, our confidence is in His greatness. But we live it out by continuing to follow that's who's in this city, the people of God, those that are chosen, those that have remained faithful. These are the ones who God delights in. These are the shining ones. These are the ones that God carries on His heart. The people of God. That's you. That's me. As we belong to Him by grace. Um, I don't know if you ever watched the Oscars. I've watched them not in a little while. But um, it can be interesting to see what's going on in that that world and, and film can be a legitimate way to, to glorify the Lord. But one of the things in the Oscars they do, the red carpet event, um, and the celebrities walk on that red carpet in all their spectacular dresses and tuxes, and I don't know if you've ever seen little clips of it, the, the camera lights just flash, 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 and, and they're just posing in their, in their outfits, and it's all the glory of, of actors uh, there on the red carpet for the Oscars. Well, Revelation 21 and 22 is God's Oscars. It's God's red carpet. It's God putting on display His precious people, this bride that He loves, that is glorious to behold. That's what's going on here. It's the people of God in their final states because of the grace and glory of God walking the red carpet on display. And it, it isn't just a one evening event. It's forever and ever and ever in all their glory. Brothers and sisters, it's amazing we get to be a part of this. This is the salvation that the Lord has planned for us. This is the sure thing that awaits us. This should fill us with great hope and eagerness to, to walk in holiness because this is our final state, our final destination to be on display full of glory in the city. It is the place of the kingdom. It is the people of the kingdom, and finally, it is the power of the kingdom on display. This city is full of the power of God. Two ways specifically to talk about it. It's full of the life and the healing power of God. The river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flows from the throne of God and the Lamb right down the middle of the main street. There's this river that's the river of the water of life. And on either side of the river is the tree of life. It harkens back to the Garden of Eden. 
The tree of life was put there for Adam and Eve, should they obey, to eat and to live forever. There was one tree they were not supposed to eat. They were to ignore that one, to believe God, to obey, and to ultimately eat of the tree of life. We know they failed. And they died. And we will die physically. In Christ, though, because He went to another tree, gave Him His life for us in our place, died for our sins, bearing our sins in His body, rose again on the third day through, through Him and His work on that tree, we now have eternal life. We have eternal spiritual life. But our bodies will die. But this city is full of the power of God for eternal life. For healing. And so there's healing, there's life, there's restoration. There's no more any sin, no sickness, no frustrated labor, nothing accursed. Only full health and holiness and glory in this city because the power of God is present to bring healing and to bring life. And it's symbolized through this river and the tree of life. I love the, the pictures here and the pictures elsewhere in Scripture. This is a theme you can see in many places. Isaiah 25 actually, a wonderful parallel, speaks of the mountain of the Lord and, and Eden would have been understood as a mountain place. The New Jerusalem is on a mountain. So this is speaking of the same thing here. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, a rich, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This kingdom is full of the power of God for the life that is true life, for healing from the brokenness and evil of this world, living in full vitality forever and ever. Oh, the older I get, the more I long for that. There is the reality. We all age. And it happens fast. I was speaking with one of my children, I think my daughter, and was talking about looking back. There's about, about five or ten years of peak physical fitness in life. So you, you don't fully mature if you're a man until you're about 25, and then you hit 30, you start going downhill. That's, sorry, guys, that's the reality. Um, and you start to feel that. I, I, I started to feel it around 30. Um, I can remember. I... I had played football when I was younger, and I would run into people really fast, and it didn't hurt much. And then I remember I was about 30 years old, I was trying to move a filing cabinet, and I couldn't get the budge, so I kind of just banged into it, and, it, and I was like, oh, that hurts so much. <laughs> That's the reality. Our body starts to decline from 30. So there isn't much, you know, we talk about our peak, our prime of life. It's really short. And my, my daughter was like, Dad, that's really depressing. I'm like, sorry, but it's reality. But that's part of this age. And that's meant to drive us to look forward to the, this age that we're talking about of eternal life where there's healing in life. There's no more aging. There's no more bodily frailty. 
but vitality forever and ever. We get to drink of the water of life and eat of the tree of life and experience the fullness of that forever and ever in the power of God. Nowadays, uh, with, with reality of aging and the, and the progress we're making in medicine, there are all sorts of pills we can take and vitamins. And as I get older, I need more of that and I need more surgeries. This is a picture of, of, of a pill that is immensely powerful and effective in our lives. And it never wears off. And it's the kingdom that awaits us. This is the final kingdom. This is what we're headed towards. Now some good news. We've been learning that the kingdom is already. We get to experience the power of the ages to come now. Not in the fullness. Not in this degree but in real ways. And so I want to encourage you as we, as we conclude. Look forward to this final kingdom. Set your hope there. Live for that now. But know that the Lord is with you now to sustain you. And that water of life is actually yours now. And you can drink from it now. Jesus said in John 7, it says on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Same imagery. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 37-39. Brothers and sisters, the Spirit is now available for you to drink. And the reality of living in this age... We get weary. We get weary spiritually. And the promise of this river of life is now available to us in a significant degree. And so as I conclude, I just want to offer to you, I would love to pray for you at the end of our service today. I'm sure Pastor Toby as well and others would love to pray for you if you're just feeling weary. If you just realize, you know, this is hard. This life is hard. My body is getting old. My spirit uh, wanders, I need refreshment. God offers that to us. So I just wanted to say that um, because we'd love to pray for you. We all need to be filled with that water of life. Uh, as we transition though, just to recap what we're seeing here, we have this amazing preview of our final home, greater than anything we could imagine. The fullness of the kingdom of God, the place of the kingdom, the new Jerusalem. The people of the kingdom, all the people of God, the countless numbers, you and I, brothers and sisters, those that we've had to say goodbye to with us forever in that place of the kingdom. And we have the power of God bringing life and healing. This is what is ours in Christ. This is what we're to live for. Let us set our sights on this final kingdom. Let's pray.